Can We Meet in Nashville? The eighth annual Raise Fundraising Conference hosted by One Cause will be held at the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville, Tennessee on September 9th and 10th. Now, when you go to register, don't forget to use the code MISSIONS200 to receive $200 off your registration. You can click the link in the show notes to register. But what is this event all about? Man, it is 700 nonprofit professionals coming together for two days of learning and networking. You have the opportunity to choose from four different education tracks that will feature 30 total interactive sessions. I am so excited to be one of them. Also around some of my favorite people and today's top nonprofit thought leaders. And you don't want to miss, and I don't want to miss, the Fearless Fundraiser Party just for raise guests being held at Garth Brooks' new Friends in Low Places venue. So don't forget the discount. Use code MISSIONS200 to receive $200 off registration. Click the link in show notes, and maybe I'll see you there for some good Garth Brooks karaoke. I don't know about you, but in nearly every report these days that comes out, we keep hearing about how nonprofits are seeing a downward trend in individual donations. But do not be discouraged. Recurring giving is on the rise. Join me and Floyd Jones for a free Give Butter webinar on Wednesday, June 12th, all about how you can catapult your monthly donor program into long-term success. Now head on over to givebutter.com backslash movements to sign up for the webinar. And I will also link that below in the show notes. I cannot wait to share with you how you can build a donor acquisition plan that generates passionate recurring donations. I will share with you five steps to build a successful monthly donor program, some unconventional but proven to be effective donor acquisition and retention strategies, and how to do a little self-audit of your existing platform. So say goodbye to those low donor retention numbers and hello to new amazing recurring donations. So just takes a second to claim your free spot for the webinar, your monthly giving mastermind, build, grow, and sustain recurring donations. Again, head on over to givebutter.com backslash movements and sign up for the webinar today. I love smart budgets. I'm like, you know what? You're asking me for $25,000. What are you going to do with it? I'm not going to hold your foot to the fire, but like, tell me why. What do you need the $25,000 for? And what's your hope to do with that? And then if it doesn't work out, no problem. I'm also not afraid to fail. I find there to be no failure in philanthropy. Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast, and I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. Ah, One of my favorite things to do is kick off the year with positive, inspiring individuals. And Liz, you are certainly one. You are, from research that I've done and conversations with you and working with you, truly one of my philanthropy idols through everything you've done through arts and education and medical research, our conversations about fertility, 
And I'm so gracious and thankful that you're here today. Can you give listeners a bit of a background of like, where did your love for philanthropy come from? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. It's nice to see you. I always say I really grew up in philanthropy and non-for-profit space. I had an older sister who was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was three. She was five. And obviously our whole lives were turned upside down, the four of us. And she was treated and my family moved to the Philippines for six weeks. We went to see a shaman, a healer. Philippines. I mean, you know, this was the early seventies. And so cancer treatment and, you know, there was no Google back then, as I always say, and they really knew very little about pediatric cancer. I mean, other kids in school weren't allowed to play with my sister because they were afraid it was contagious. You know, we we did not know back then. And so my sister passed away at the age of seven. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And my parents, who God love them, are still married in their early 80s all these years later. You know, I think they channeled all of that despair and started an organization called the American Brain Tumor Association. And so I really grew up stuffing envelopes at the dining room table, you know, my mom and my dad out talking to people about brain tumors and research. And I just never knew anything different from such a young age. And so I went to college. I thought I was going to go into urban planning and sociology. And life is sort of funny like that. And I ended up going to work for the near south planning board and we were redeveloping the near south side and i just never kind of looked back i started doing all this non-for-profit stuff and i just loved it that's where i started and i've never worked in for profit i've just always been a non-for-profit and wow i don't think i ever knew that so i don't know anything else <laughs> you're stuck we got you yeah permanent <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know that story. Wow. And that's actually really interesting. I mean, pros and cons, obviously, of technology and what we have these days, but research has come so far. Does that foundation, are they still a part of it? 100%. So the American Brain Tumor Association is about to go into their 50th year. Amazing. Which is amazing. So there's, you know, all kinds of great things happening. And they do still to this day give away several million dollars a year in research. Cancer research has come a long way. And then again, it hasn't come far enough. And my sister, I think a child today diagnosed with the same type of cancer my sister had, probably the outcome would not be different 50 years later. And that is not okay. Wow. That is not okay. And so, you know, we're always funding new ideas because that's just not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you've built your own family foundation. And I know you have particular areas that you specialize in and interest when providing grants. And you send out invitations that that was really unique to certain 501c3s. For all the listeners out there that apply for so many grants, what stands out to you when your team is reading through all of these applications? So it's really interesting. We, like a lot of foundations, don't accept unsolicited grants, right? Requests. It usually starts with a great leader. And so I always say philanthropy, I'm sure I've said this to you over time, Dana, is like, I think philanthropy from my viewpoint is speed dating. I never want to waste someone's time. And so 
I have lots of little speed dates. It's like, let's talk for 10 minutes by phone, Zoom, whatever, you know, tell me what you guys are working on. Send me some information. Let me think about it. Let me read through. And then if there's something that seems like good synergy between us, let's meet and have a cup of coffee. Don't buy me lunch. Don't take me for a drink. Like (laughs) save your money. And that's why I think it's really like speed dating because I don't want to waste anybody's time either. Like if it's not a good fit, go talk to someone else that might be a funder for you. I don't want you to waste your time talking to me. And what I for sure don't want, our requirements are very, very slim in that I never ask people to go through a 10, 12 page application. Hallelujah. Yes. I am like (laughs) bullet points. You know, one page. Who has time to read all that? Do people actually read all of that? I just don't know. I think then you have to have a whole department of people reading that. Like that is not productive to me. Yeah. You know what's a good fit. So it starts with a strong leader because at the end of the day, you and I both know you're giving money to whoever's running the organization. I love a strong leader. I love smart budgets. I'm like, you know what? You're asking me for $25,000. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. I'm not going to hold your foot to the fire, but like, tell me why, what do you need the $25,000 for? And what's your hope to do with that? Right. Right. And yeah. then if it doesn't work out, no problem. I'm also not afraid to fail. I find there to be no failure in philanthropy. And I think that's such an important message. Yes. I always say to anyone we fund, if things aren't going the way you saw it or the way you planned, just call me, you know, let's talk about it. Oh, and there's so much fear around that too, I think sometimes where it's like, oh, I'm so nervous to call that individual and share that this didn't work. But I think we forget. I think there's a lot of respect that comes from that. And 100%. when you're sharing with other individuals what's happening, I mean, I've joined so many masterminds and groups to be a part of because we all experience similar things. And when you can have more brain power together for ideas, and it's like, oh, hey, you know what? Another organization might have gone through that same thing. I'm going to connect you to their leader and you can have a conversation. Like, that's the beautiful thing that can happen, right? I'm sure that's probably happened to you numerous times in conversations. Absolutely. And transparency. This is the thing. I yeah. think for me, it's all about honesty and transparency, it's about mutual respect. And that's why really? I love to say, like, There's no failure. I'm not afraid to fail. There is no failure because so many of the things we try, if it doesn't work this way, let's pivot and try it a different way. Yeah. Right? Always. Another great thing I've learned that I always like to share, I think as a funder and I think as someone asking for money, because I've been on both sides, I think it's really important to not try to put a square peg in a round hole. Meaning that if I come to you and say, Dana, I love what you're doing. You're doing this great work, but I'd like to give you money to do this. Mm-hmm. You need to say to me, no, right? Like you need to say to me, I would love to work with you and I would love to take your money. Like I know it's hard to say no, but could we figure out a way for you to help us do this? Yeah. Because that is for sure setting yourself up for failure. And I yes. make mistakes, you know? And so- I always like to share that as well, because I think it's so helpful as a funder to look at the organization and you can't expect an elephant to be a turtle. 
right? right. And right. so you need to respect the elephant and help the elephant, but don't ask them to be a turtle. Well, because then you also say you do say yes. And then you're like, oh, shoot. Our whole team needs to pivot and do this whole other thing, which takes you away from the mission that you were trying to do in the first place. And then everyone's confused or it's complicated. And you're like, why did we say yes to that when we should have said no in the first place? I have found so many times when you do say no, the right doors open anyways, because you left the space for it to happen. So this is actually such a great time for this conversation because it's new year. Everyone's brainstorming. Everyone's putting goals together. Lots of conversations are happening. So don't jump on just the first opportunity that might come your way if it's not exactly what you're looking for. I think that's such a great piece of advice going into the new year. I love that for the new year. And also because you just never know, it could all come full circle, right? So you connect with someone in the first quarter and they're really interested in this other work, but it's really not the core of what you're doing. You don't know that they're not going to circle back, right? Like, cause now you're in my file cabinet. We've met, you know, I thought about it and six months from now, maybe something's happened that what you're doing is actually super interesting to me, exactly as what you're doing. And then I'm all in. Well, that's such a good segue because that's literally what happened to us. (laughs) We met through a PR contact over a year ago and we didn't work together for months and months and months and months and months. And then we came together on the Ving project. And actually another one of your organizations was in my mastermind program, which was totally nothing that we had we didn't even talk about, but this is exactly the point. <laughs> Our original conversation had nothing to do with what ended up coming to fruition. And I want to talk about Ving because it's so fun and special and it just deserves all the spotlight. Can you share just to kick us off what it is and where the idea came from? Yeah. So Ving, and it is my favorite project of everything we do. It's Ving as in loving, receiving, believing. And five or six years ago, I had all these ideas. I do a lot of work with teenagers and I come to this conclusion that I sort of feel like teenagers get a bad rap. And I wanted to do something to celebrate teenagers and lift them up. So long and the short, we came up with this idea. Really, my husband and I, I have to give him 50% of the credit because it was his idea as much as mine. And we came up with this idea of Ving. Any 14 to 18 year old in the United States, who do you know? You are the eyes and ears. Who do you know in your community doing everything right, but could really use a boost? All they have to do is send us a quick video. And then if they're selected, we literally send them a check for a thousand dollars made out to the recipient that they deliver. The teenager gets to be the philanthropist. They hand deliver the thousand dollar check, surprise the recipient, and there is zero strings attached. It is a thousand dollars tax-free for them to use however best fit, grocery bills, a car bill, whatever it is they need. And it's been pretty magical. And the greatest joy is, yes, there are hundreds of people that didn't have $1,000 the day before that then have $1,000 in hand, which is great and meaningful. But the long-term effect on the teenagers that have been part of the Ving community That's forever. Oh, yeah. I know when I was 14, 15 years old, 
I didn't have a thousand dollars I could just give to somebody that I really loved and appreciated in my community. Exactly. That would have been a dream. And that's so many of these kids say to us like, really, you're going to give me a thousand dollars. You don't even know me and you're going to trust me. And so it's all about empowering teenagers and sharing the joy of philanthropy with teenagers, putting the power in their hands. And then I always say to them, you know, just because we started you off with a thousand dollars to give to someone to help, you can continue to ving anytime, all the time. Is it an umbrella to someone in the rain or helping someone carry a heavy box or a $5 to get on a bus that they needed, you know, some assistance, whatever it is. And my hope is someday when those teenagers are working adults, that they'll be able to give $25 or $100 or even $1,000, right? Who knows? But that's really been the magic. How many Vings have been sent so far? So I want to say we're probably somewhere around 1,000. Awesome. And then we're hoping the goal is to double that this year. Amazing. That's so exciting. And I know you have a new partnership that's very exciting that I want to talk about with R12 Foundation that is inspired by Meghan Markle, who is, I don't know if she still goes by the title of Duchess of Essex. I don't know how that works with all the, I watched The Crown. (laughs) I refer to her as the Duchess, I think out of respect, but honestly, I have to say the interactions that we've had, she's probably fine with Megan. It seems like she would be. That's what you get from an outsider's viewpoint. And look, that's a partnership that organizations would dream of having. I've been listening to her podcast on Spotify, which is Archie Types, for anyone who's wondering what I'm talking about. She has a great one with Serena Williams, and she has all sorts of amazing guests on there. But A, how did this partnership come to life? Because I know people listening are like, what? (laughs) You know what? It's similar to the story you and I just told. So someone that works with Megan at her new foundation and the podcast that she's doing is someone that I connected with through Ving a year ago or two years ago already on other things, similar to the way that you and I did. And when she moved over to work with Megan, she told Megan about it and they reached out and they were like, wow, you know, we would love to do this. There's such great synergy. She's so amazing and impressive. And you know what? At the end of the day, we are so aligned in our goals about supporting women and children and teenagers and uplifting amazing women. And so the timing was just perfect. She was launching this podcast all about uplifting women and telling stories. And so we came up with this project together where we're saying, let's give away a thousand things this year to women, amazing women. So the goal is that this round, this million dollars will be all women recipients. But again, with the same mission of amazing women doing everything right and could just use a boost. And it's been really fun. And her, she has surrounded herself with amazing people. She has a fabulous team. And so I'm really excited to see what this new year brings. And we'll have lots of good stories to tell and lots of good things to share. That's so exciting. Cheers to 2023. Something I've been thinking a lot about this year as we get going is how to plan my social media content smarter, posting less, but with more impact and still gaining visibility with new audiences 
and of course, my OG crew. Can you relate to that? How can we all do this, right? I teach a mini ads course, Visible Reach in a Week for $27, that's it, where you will learn my strategy on how I do this. So all it takes is 30 minutes and you will learn how to run a Facebook and Instagram ads reach campaign to stay top of mind all year round with your audience online consistently for just $1 to $3 a day. That's it. No big budgets, no fancy pixel tracking necessary. And if you're looking to dip your feet into running ads and get comfortable with Ads Manager without spending a big budget, this course is perfect for you. Head to positiveequation.com and click courses to get started. You will see visible reach in a week right there for you to click on and sign up or go ahead and click the link in the show notes. What was the timeline of, I like getting into the tactical nitty gritty of things like first conversation to, okay, we're actually committed. We're doing this and we're going to work together. Like how long did that take? I would say it was over a matter of a couple of weeks and. Oh, fast. You know what? The thing about Ving is it's very simple. It seems complicated, but it's actually very simple. And what was great is the Duchess and her team just got it immediately. It was like, this is awesome. We want to help amazing women. Let's do this. It was just really straightforward and simple, Yeah. which I say that because that's such a pleasure. I mean, so many partnerships aren't always (laughs) flawless and easy. Totally. And I have to say, working with them has just been a 100% pleasure. And so it was very straightforward and easy. I think there's actually something to that. When some partnerships are getting too hard, maybe you should question if it's the right person. I think it's the same thing when you're dating. And I said this all the time to my girlfriends or some who are still single. And I was like, when I met my husband, it was easy. You just know it's just an easy partnership. So I love it. I think in the nonprofit sector, I mean, and for profit for that matter, there are so many clever partnerships that happen. Who was it? Girls Who Code. I did an earlier podcast episode. It was Girls Who Code and Doja Cat did a partnership together for like a coding experience where they could edit the music video. Like you'd never think of putting that together. I think it's so clever. I remember even Issa Rae with her TV show mentioned something about Capri Suns in an episode in her Lyft ride. So therefore, Lyft, Capri Sun, and Issa Rae in her show did a real life collaboration. Like, I just think there's so much potential for creativity. When it's pure like that, that's the thing, right? Like what's really fun, very much like the archetypes, it's like our mission is the same, right? So it's super straightforward and easy. And I know it's funny you've mentioned that because years ago, an actress whose name is escaping me, but I can think of it. She was like on the Tonight Show or something. Okay. It's really funny. And she tells a story about how she's filming a movie with Will Smith and his wife in New Orleans or something, somewhere in the South. And she's on the Tonight Show and she starts telling the story how she invites him to go with her that she had bought a group on and that did he and his wife want to go with her um, this like backcountry tour or whatever. I'm also dying that, that she bought a group on. <laughs> yeah, so she does. And she says this on late night TV and she goes on and on. She starts telling the story about how she invited him. And he's like, what the heck is a group on? You know, and they start <laughs> telling this whole story. And meanwhile, he goes with her 
him and his wife, like, and she tells the story how she has like some Hyundai rental car. And he's like, where are you taking me? And there's other people on the boat with them and the whole thing. And he is down for it. Well, of course, the next day, Groupon called her and she became the spokeswoman for Groupon because it was like <laughs> so genuine and pure. Here she was. She's like, I have no money. I'm a starving actress. Yeah. She's like, I just happened to be doing a movie with a huge movie star. So I invited him to come with me because I had extra tickets. And there you go. Tiffany Haddish is her oh, name. Oh, gosh. She's hilarious. Hilarious. And if you Google the story of when she tells it on like Jimmy Kimmel or whoever, yeah. of course, her storytelling is hysterical. Yes. And we heard it. And the next day, you know, the CEO of Groupon called her and said like... <laughs> Come work with us. Oh my gosh. And funny enough, now look at how what a big star she is. And now she might not be using Groupons anywhere. I don't know. But yeah. you know, <laughs> that's my point is I think it's really fun when it's genuine. And I think watching a lot of these celebrities using their voice for something that I think is true and really where they come from and what they believe in. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously authenticity is huge. When organizations are looking for, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's another brand, what recommendations do you have for organizations when they're going out and having those conversations or even just trying to align and find somebody that might have a synergy? I first, I think you have to be willing to talk to anyone and everyone, right? Because I think as a non-for-profit, you always want to be careful because you have to make sure that it's a win for the organization, yeah. right? And look, over the years, and I'm involved with a lot of organizations and sit on a lot of boards. And, you know, I think every non-for-profit has different stories to tell of partnerships that didn't, didn't work, have worked and have not worked. And so I think, like we said before, you don't want to jump into something that doesn't feel right. You never want to sell your soul for money, right? Like, you have to stay true to whatever your organization is and the mission of the organization. Yeah. That doesn't mean to not bend and be flexible, but it does mean that you have to stay true to who you are because at the end of the day, more people will rally around you if you do what's right than, you know, if you sell your soul. Absolutely. And I think something that was interesting you just mentioned about being on boards, and this is kind of a selfish question for me, but hopefully it's helpful to listeners too. I am, and this is probably going to open me up to a can of worms, but I am looking to join a board. And because I think that would be really fascinating coming into the new year. Do you have recommendations as somebody who's looking to be on a board of A, what to look for, questions to ask? Because obviously I have I come with the digital marketing side of things that I would want to share. So I'm sure that would be part of the conversation. But are there certain things that you just think right away that I should kind of be looking for when having those conversations? So first thing I would start, and look, I think it's a great way to start the new year is for everyone to think about like a way to get involved with something that maybe they're not yet involved with. Whether that's a board seat, a junior board seat, or just volunteering, right? It's just, to me, it's always a great way to start the new year. I think first you start with what is interesting to you, right? Are you interested in the arts? Are you interested in education? Like what space would be most interesting to you? Yeah. And then I think you make a list of what am I bringing to the table, right? Like it's very straightforward about like, think about all the incredible things you're bringing to the organization. And then I think you approach an organization that you think is doing great work 
and then you talk to them. And every board is different. What is the commitment mm-hmm. to being on this board, right? There's always some kind of financial commitment. Is that $500 a year or $50,000 a year? And what is the time commitment? And I also, to me, a smart way to join a board is to look at the board and maybe meet with one or two members of the board for coffee or a chat and really find out like some boards are working boards and some boards are in name only boards. And so you have to decide what you're looking for. If you're looking to put your name on a board, that's one thing. And if you're looking to get your hands dirty, which I always like, yes, really dig in. And then that often happens on committees. And you can also often be on a committee and not be on the board. So depending on the organization, it's a good way to kind of get your feet wet as to, hey, I like, how about this? Peer Health Exchange is a great example. I got involved in a small way here in Chicago. They were doing great work in the public schools, which is where I do a lot of work here in Chicago. And so I was funding them in a small way and they had a small office here in Chicago. And I had this moment of, oh my gosh, we need to build a great health app for teenagers. I should call the CEO of Peer Health Exchange. So literally sent her an email, had never met her and said, can we get on a call? She did her research. I did my research. We jumped on a call. We became instant friends. And she was in the middle of raising money to build an app for exactly what it was like unbelievable. Wild. We launched an app called Selfsee. It's awesome. And I was a huge advocate and a huge donor to help them launch it because I was like, I love what you're doing. Yeah. But I didn't immediately join the board. I was just someone like, I love what you're doing. Can I be on a committee and help you think this through? Yeah. And I think that's what I would want to see is I love to see progress. I would not be good on an organization that or a board or a committee that sits kind of stagnant. I would be very frustrated. (laughs) Leaders use their board. That's the thing. You don't want to join a board where you're coming to a meeting twice a year to just shake your head and put a stamp of, yes, the executive director. Yes. You want to get involved. You want your voice heard. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. You want your voice heard. And I think good directors listen to the people around them because, and that was what was really fun about the self-see, like they built an incredible team of really smart volunteers from every space to help them launch, right? Because you're talking to people that like came out of Instagram and all these tech companies that were being really helpful and giving them guidance as to what this needs to do to launch and how do you reach teenagers Yes, you know, in such a crowded space. That's actually a really interesting perspective too is I think I could learn so much from just the other board members. For sure. Once you're in community with one another because you're already sharing a shared purpose 100%. around a mission. And then hopefully that's, I didn't even think about that point, but that's a really good perspective to have as well. Well, the networking and the learning from being on any board is extraordinary. And especially a good board. It will be diverse and really diverse in background, right? So you get all these different people with different expertise coming together. Yes. And then it's really helpful because then it's like, oh, you know what? I need to ask a lawyer. Oh, I'm going to call Liz 
we know each other from the PHE board. I'm sure she'll give me 10 minutes of her time. I think, and this wouldn't be a shock to you with our conversations, I think I want to join a board that focuses on fertility resources and support. And I haven't found one I like yet. So listeners, if you know of one or are part of one, feel free to DM me on Instagram or LinkedIn or email me or all the things. Because I think at the end of the day, it all has to start with the first thing you brought up. And that's what do you have a passion for? And that's been such a big part of my life and just helping other women and families that are trying to grow their family. And it's such a I think it's such still a wild, wild west in terms of that because it differs per state and country and it's fascinating and still so much work to be done there. So thank you for those pointers. I want to jump into a section called We Must Know. And I have a question for you, Liz. As we go into 2023, what is something that you are just thrilled, ecstatic, most excited for? I am excited about the next generation. That for me is I look around and the world is crazy. Things are crazy. It's been a crazy few years with COVID and everything else. And I am so hopeful and energized by watching the next generation. I feel like there are so many young, smart people, so much smarter than I ever was. And the thing about it is they care. This generation, they want to go work for someone for a company or for a person that is doing something good. Mm -hmm. And that is like so unique. It is not only driven by like success is no longer just money. Thank goodness that that like narrative is being adjusted and turned upside down because this generation cares about working for places that are doing good. It's forced a whole new workplace shift is what it's done. Well, and also this generation is like, wait a second, don't tell me I need to come into the office five days a week. And don't tell me that I need to be okay with this, this, and that. There's a balance. There is a life-work balance. And I think that is going to create an energy in this country that is just really exciting. Because I think people, you want to love to work, not live to work. Yes. Which changes the whole energy around what you're going to do. You want to be surrounded by amazing people doing amazing things. And look, I'm all about working hard. I don't want to change the narrative that like, you know, I'm raising three teenagers. I'm like, you need to work hard, you know? Yeah. But you need to love what you do and be passionate about what you do, whatever that is. And I think being in the non-for-profit space, you're always surrounded by people that are there because they're passionate. That has to be in the for-profit space and the non-for-profit space. And I'm excited at the idea that I have this dream and I hope like two or three years, you and I are talking about it and it's come true. But I sort of feel like all these great CEOs that are running big companies and doing great work should come to a point where they're like, this is great. And then they should go run a non-for-profit. Every great CEO should have to go run a non-for-profit because it will make the non-for-profit space that much more successful. Yes. We need some of those ideas. Yes. And it just sort of closes the loop. Like for me, it closes the loop about doing good. But that for me, you know, they talk about like, should there be a year of service? Like I would love if all Fortune 500 CEOs had to leave for a year and run a non-for-profit. 
That would be amazing. And Liz, I think you could put together a pretty stellar boot camp for that. <laughs> and doing the switch the migration from one to the other. Maybe if they're not totally running or if they are in partnership with an ED and they join in partnership. And so it's almost like for a year, I'm going to help you co-lead this co-lead this organization and look at it from the same lens that I would the Fortune 500 business. What a fascinating case study that would be. And I'm telling you, it would improve the whole workflow of non-for-profit. Oh, can we get a list of like 20 organizations to test this with? Yes. And let me tell you something. There's so many organizations that could use that tomorrow. I know there's the the pledges signed and I know like, yes, financials are huge. You need them. But the mentorship and the ideation and the innovation that can happen with that and just rethinking of budgets. And I think we're going to do this. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, maybe that's our goal for 23. Yeah. You know, in 24, that there's like a certain number of CEOs that are like taking over either as a co-lead or for a year sabbatical and running a non-for-profit. That would be very cool. That is really my dream. If I had to say like what my dream would be, that would be it. Okay. Well, then this next question how do we get this started? So the next question is section is all about ask and receive. So we're just going to like take this and like keep riding the wave. Yeah. What is one yeah. thing that you would like to ask for help or support on? Well, I would love always, I always say to anyone that asks, anyone listening, if you would share Ving with the world and the project we're doing with the Duchess is we're always looking to share it out on social media or whatever you are. I will link to it in the show notes below everyone. Thank you. But I do think there's a huge opportunity. There's a synergy between the for-profit and the non-for-profit that I think is just starting to come up. For example, like the current, I think his title's president or executive director of the Anti-Defamation League came out of like Google and Apple, mm. right? And it's really smart. It's really smart. Yeah. And I think we need more people like that coming into the non-for-profit space. So Brett, I forget his last name off the top of my mind, but from News Story, went through like a business accelerator, but for his nonprofit. So it's bringing a different perspective and they have flourished and their brand is beautiful and it's great. This idea is fascinating. Liz, where can people connect with you? And then we'll go ahead and drop the website for Ving as well. Yeah, please do. Email is always accessible, Liz at LFF.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm really easy to reach and always happy to talk to anyone. As I said, you know, I'm a great speed dater. So, you know, <laughs> it may be short and sweet, but I'm always responsive and, and always there. Hey, you know what? There's an app. Actually, this might be really interesting for you. Have you heard of Intro? No. Because you should be probably on Intro. Yeah, it's the app's called Intro. And you can pay a person for 15, 30 minutes, maybe you can do more than 30 minutes, probably, of their time. I did it with Jacqueline Johnson, who's the founder of Create and Cultivate, for a 30-minute phone call. What I paid her was a donation to a cause she had to talk about business. And so it was like speed dating, and it's timed, and it's all through this app. So it automatically like cuts you off as soon as your time is done. but because you know you have a short amount of time, they were so rich and full of information. You guys, take Liz up on her offer. 
No, I'm around. Happy to talk. Love it. Liz, thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year. And I can't wait to see the progress with Ving and with this new project we're going to work on. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Just wait. All good things to you, Dana. Happy, healthy New Year. Thank you. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories, and tag Positive Equation with one E so I can reshare and connect with you.